Amy, it's Denise. And Diane. And uh, we have to tell you, we're thrilled to have you as a guest. And I'm absolutely thrilled because your book, The Mediterranean Diabetes Cookbook, is really, to me, which is like the tagline on your, um, from what Dottie, your publicist, sent us, is how to start to get started on a Mediterranean diet. And it's a beautiful cookbook. So we'd like to ask you how you got started in food. Sure. Well, I've been cooking since a very young age, and I don't remember ever a time when I wasn't cooking. Um, my parents <laughs> used to just put me on the counter, you know, and I came from a, a family that was heavily involved with food, and food was our entertainment. It was our it was our chore. It was our work. It was our life's mission. It was kind of everything. So I learned at a very young age from a lot of different people. Um, but how I got started in it professionally was um, I came back from Italy, and I had visited our relatives in the South, and you know, as I grew older, I, re I noticed the difference between the people on this side of the pond and the people over there. Everybody here, we look just alike. You know, we have we were very, very similar um, on either side. We the same, obviously, DNA. But the people there were much healthier and they weren't getting hypertension, diabetes, you know, all the issues that my family was dealing with here, heart disease. And so I had always before thought that those things were genetic. And then when I went there and I noticed the people there didn't have them, I said, okay, they're not genetic because they look just like us and they're our yes. relatives. Yes. Um, so I said, okay, I want to be the person who kind of translates this uh, Mediterranean lifestyle in the United States. And this was, you know, decades ago. So yes. people weren't talking about it like it is now. And so I kind of formed my career around that in any possible way that I could. Another, another thing, you know, on, on the side, but that definitely, you know, made a very important um impact was my mom was diagnosed with diabetes when I was 15 and I was the family cook. So I had to make our food ah. fit into her lifestyle plan. And it wasn't easy, you know, back in those days, that was before the internet. And, you know, the, the cookbooks that were out there weren't that great. And the diabetes ones, you know, they would have like chocolate mocha fudge cake on the cover. They were all with fake sugars and things like that. And yes, I knew yes. that that's not, you know, how I wanted my mom or any of us to eat. I wanted to cook once just like everybody else. I wanted to make it healthy and taste great and for us all to have a meal. So, and it was really challenging. So she came home from the doctor with this like notepad of things that she couldn't eat. That he'd written on a prescription notice. Right. And I, we looked at it and we mourned for like three days because we're like, oh, this is all our favorite foods. Like, what are we going to do? And then, you know, finally I got over it. And I was like, I've got to cook, you know. So I said, okay, what can she eat? And I made a list of that. And I would try my little challenge for myself as a kid was to come up with the most best tasting things I could come up with within her menu that, that we would all like and, and could all enjoy. And my, and my family's picky, so that wasn't that easy. And But that's what I did. And then it, you know, decades later, it became my career, but I never at that point, I didn't think it would become a career. I was just doing it out of love for my mom. And that's what makes me so proud about this book is that, you know, it's basically an extension of, of what I did for my mom when I was a kid. So that's a wonderful my, story. That certainly is. And did, did it help your mother, Amy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Great. No, I have to tell you, of course, my family is from Italy also. We're from Northern Italy, Piedmonte. And, you know, when I looked at your recipes, Amy, the reason I loved the book and felt a connection to the book is it's just exactly the, it's all the delicious food that my grandmother cooked. Do you know what I mean? And right. you, and it was before they called it the Mediterranean diet. It was just as, and I was saying this to Diane and Cindy before we got you on the line. You know, as a kid, it, we ate lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, we ate beans, we ate a little bit of meat, not very much meat, and if we had pasta, it was a teeny little preemie. You know, it was a little tiny plate of pasta. No one over ate, and it's just amazing how 
because my grandmother, you know, was from Italy that she cooked it that way. But each generation, we've gotten away from the way that we were eating. Correct. And it's so, and it's hard not to because of the influence of about all the food around us. Do you know what I mean? And all the fast food that's come into our, into America and just all of it. So I just think your book, um, Diane is still pouring through it. I am. I'm just loving. I have like a million questions. I mean, I'm, well, please start, start. Well, uh, this is interesting that you, that you talk about watermelon because we're at the height of the watermelon season right now, that that would be something that would be okay to eat if you're either, you know, if you're diabetic, because it's such a high glycemic index. Maybe you can explain that to our listeners. Sure. So usually people avoid things when they have a high glycemic index because it makes it a little bit different, difficult because of the sugars in them to right. keep the bodies to be able to break them down. But actually, uh, watermelon has a lot of good um, in, you know, ingredients in it, kind of uh, different nutrients that can help us uh, reduce blood pressure and also with um, insulin resistance in some people. That's so interesting. It's got, a, it's got a high water content. You know, there's a lot of vitamin C, B5, A, copper, potassium, and, and different things which all kind of work together. So definitely not overdose it. I mean, it's an exchange for a fruit for people who do have diabetes and it's, you know, just you would eat just one serving, but it is something that can definitely be enjoyed as can all fruit, you know, in moderation. A big key for people that a lot of people don't realize with with diabetes is they're giving up everything left and right is you know each every time you eat something it should have a little bit of protein a little bit of fat a little bit of carbohydrate if you can if you can combine those three things in with whatever you eat you can you can have quite a varied um you know great menu that's such good advice and the other thing that you said and everything in moderation now one of the reasons it cracks me up i have worked with amy every diet guru like in the world, okay? Mm -hmm. I've written their books. Uh, Jorge oh. Cruz, Richard Simmons, Suzanne Summers, the original Dr. Atkins. I mean, I, I, there's been, and there've been some since then, but I need to tell you, when Cindy and I've worked on these recipes and when we've spent time with the people, and you'd think I'd be thin, Amy, since I've <laughs> worked with all these people, but the bottom line is, I think of my mother, who just always used to say, just eat in moderation. But it's because our eyes are bigger than our stomachs even, and the portions that we get, to me, in restaurants are ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, my husband and I go to this place on the weekends, it's a breakfast place, but they give us, we order egg whites and we want two strips of turkey bacon. Okay, fine. And that and then we have usually a piece of toast with it that we like. They have great wheat wheat seeded toast. But Amy, they give us each five pieces of bacon. So uh, now I've become my grandmother. I should start carrying the plastic bags in my purse because we eat two and I say to my husband, you're not going to eat all that. And I take it home and we eat it the next day. Do you know what I mean? But the portions are gigantic. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's it takes a lot of discipline. It really yes, does. It does. Our modern culture is set up to make you eat more. I, I, there's a smoothie place that I like to go to when I'm on the run, and I just stop in, and I know in between meals I can, I can get a smoothie and I'll be okay. And every time I walk in there, they say, I always ask for the small because it's like 400 calories, and that's a, yes. pretty, that's a pretty high calorie snack, you know? So I'm like, yeah. oh, small. And they're always like, well, get the medium, it's cheaper. Get the medium, it's cheaper. Why would you not want to get the medium, it's cheaper? And you're telling me like 10 times. I'm like, because it's got 300 more calories. That's why. There you go. And, there, and, and nobody's thinking about that. No. They're thinking about that it's cheaper, right? Yeah, right. Well, one of the gurus that we worked with who had an interruption in his life, but he'd been on Food Network and all sorts of stuff. He used to say, it's cheap to be fat in America 
Be exactly speaking to your point, Amy, they want you to buy, get the bigger one because it's a better value. But it's, as you're saying, it's 300 galleries more. Sure. And it's cheap, you know, until people unfortunately have health problems and right. then you need to start paying insurance co-pays, which don't cover things. And so it's, you know, it's cheap to us to a certain extent. And it and it's robbing, robbing people of a lot of what uh, you're talking about is it's cheap up front and not cheap in the long run. Right. Right. Exactly. I noticed you have a number of like Turkish tea and a few other Turkish recipes that was influenced from your relationship with Sheila Kaufman. Uh, yes, well, my whole book writing career was influenced by Sheila Kaufman because she was my mentor and she taught me how to write cookbooks. Yeah, we met years ago when I was giving a lecture at the Egyptian embassy and she said, you know, you think you should have a book? And I said, well, I do, but I don't know how to get it published. And she said, come to my house. And we became friends and we had a very close uh, familiar relationship in addition to the professional one. Um, in Turkey, of course, you know, I also, you know, became aware of from her, but I, I researched it a lot also on my own before. And then I also led a culinary tour there. And um, yes. since that culinary tour, I really, you know, it taught me a lot. And I just continued my adoration of Turkey. Like, I, I'm addicted to all the Turkish soap operas on Netflix. Like, I, I just love Turkey. And, um, I didn't know they had Turkish Amy, soap operas. I'm looking, oh, yes. I'm looking now that you've said that. Now, we need people to realize, Amy, so you've written many cookbooks, great uh -huh. cookbooks. You teach. Correct. You also run tours, culinary tours. Yes. Yes. So because you just said you were in Turkey. Now, I agree. Now I'm going to look for the Turkish soap operas. Yeah. Cindy and I got to go to Turkey about a year ago. Oh, and I had never been. And you know what, Amy, I'm with you. I think it's one of the most gorgeous, gracious, delicious countries I've ever been to. And we had a ball there. But so now that you tell me this, I'm going to have to look for the soap operas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're great. You know, they're really well shot. And there's always a lot of food. When I watch television <laughs> I, I, and movies, I'm amazed. Sometimes you watch a two and a half hour movie and they don't show anybody eating I anything. I know, but wait, how do you how do you find this on Netflix? Do you just put in Turkish soap operas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's my favorite one. There's one called The Girl I Loved in English, and they have subtitles. That's my favorite, favorite one. Okay, I'm gonna look for it when I get home today. Well, you know, when you speak about Turkey, my husband and I went, I don't know, about five years ago, four years ago. It was one of the most incredible trips I have ever been. And it turned into a culinary trip because it's just the food of Turkey are like no other. The meza. Yes. The just how do you pronounce it? Is it meza? Uh-huh. Some yeah. different cultures say different. Some people say meze in Greece is metzades. You know, some some cultures pronounce it differently, but but that's a good uh, universal one. Okay. okay, thank you for the grammatical yes. lesson. I appreciate that. I have not still gotten over the deliciousness and I went on a number of culinary day tours and oh. things like that. We went up to the bazaar and we, we had one trip where we started at the bottom and that, now this is not on the Mediterranean diet, but they have something called kayak, which is that cream. Are you familiar with that? Creamy ice cream? Yes, yes, the, the K-Mac. There's, there's K-Mac. I'm in there, yes, yes. Yeah, oh my God, with their, <laughs> with their breakfast pastries. I never had breakfasts like there anywhere else in the world. I mean, it's just unbelievable, the breakfasts. And the breads, the breads. Yes, yes. Yeah. amazing, amazing um, pastry and dough tradition. Yeah. You know, yes. um, were you able, was the Top Kappa Palace Kitchen open when you were there to, for touring? Because sometimes they close them. I, I did not go to that. So in there, I mean, if you go to the palace and you go to these kitchen from the, the Ottoman times, they can, you know, they, you can see all the utensils and how they sure. were. But they used to employ a thousand cooks <sighs> at a time. 
And each of those cooks only cooked one specialty their entire life. And each of them had 100 understudies. So if they, you know, God forbid, dropped dead, then the 100 people after them knew how to make the borek or the, or the yes. um, you know, shish kebab or the soup or oh whatever. And that's how their traditions lived on. And so it's a whole different way of running a kitchen than like the French brigade style. You know, they had people yes. specialized in dough and people specialized in soups and people specialized in, in coffee and, and spices and what we call medicinals. Really cool. Where was this exactly? Was this up at the top of, at the palace? Yeah, in English it's written, to, it looks like to coffee, but in, in Turkish they pronounce yes. that. Yes, I did go there actually. And you reminded me of all of this when you were talking about it. it it's amazing. Turkey's an amazing, people are so scared to go there with everything that's going on, but I'd go back in a second. I'd go back in a second. Yeah. Cindy and I actually, Amy, went between that horrible time a year or two ago when there was right between the, the two airport. bombings, yeah. the airport and the, the mosque, the blue mosque, and my husband, who never says anything about me traveling, he doesn't, you know, it's, it's almost always work, and he's thrilled for me. But that one time he said to me, Denise, do you really think this is a good idea? And I said, I'm not missing the opportunity. And we had the best time ever. Mm. It's a gorgeous country, and the people could not be more gracious and loving. It was extraordinary to me how lovely it was. When you define Mediterranean cuisine, what are the countries that you're thinking about? You know, that's a great point because a lot of people are, are not quite as inclusive. I include everybody who's, who borders the Mediterranean Sea. So all the 21, you know, countries, the 22, 20 sovereign nations and the two island nations as well. And I have, uh, you know, Cyprus and um, Malta. Mm -hmm. I just think that it's really, really important to include everybody because I believe that everybody shares common tenets. I don't believe it's just strictly diet. I believe it's also lifestyle. The yeah, okay. people in those countries, regardless of religion or ethnicity, language, all share a lot of commonalities in terms of hospitality, in terms of the way they view food, in terms of how they prepare food and, and nourish themselves daily. And of course, because yes. it's a similar geographic region, they also you know, have similar products. They all have olive oil and whatever. And I, so I include all of them also because... I've, I've had the pleasure of going to some of the lesser known ones or the, you know, the ones that don't get as much PR and found how much similarities there were, you know, to the, the to their more popular neighbors. But I have a lot of colleagues who will only talk about Crete or only talk about Cyprus yeah. or only talk about Sardinia. And I just think that they're doing a big disservice when they do that. It's not that those countries don't have a great diet and we couldn't be happy living just on those things. We totally could. But I also, I like to use this lifestyle as a way to unify the region because for so many years before there were nationalistic borders for centuries and millennia, different empires that, that ruled the whole entire region or, or things. And so it's, I, I think it's right to include everybody. For example, Morocco, a lot of people don't associate Morocco or Egypt with the Mediterranean lifestyle, but I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time in both of those places and, mm. you know, see. For example, if you go to Morocco before you before you get to the couscous and the, the lamb tagines or the, the you know kebabs and that thing, there is a whole plate spread, a whole table full of the best vegetables you've ever yes. had. For dessert, you know, it's all the best fruit. So and most of my you know, people that come with me say like, okay, we don't want anything else. Like this is enough. So I think anybody who can serve you, you know, just vegetables done very simply that are picked from the backyard and make you content in a, in a setting like that, that you're paying money to go on a gourmet tour deserves kudos and, you know, deserves yeah. a place in the Mediterranean lifestyle uh, category yeah. realm. And when you're saying lifestyle, see, here's the thing, Amy, I think this is key. Mm -hmm. When I, when the first time I took my husband to Spain and we would get up in the morning and we're, you know, we're Americans, so we're up really early, but they had a big buffet of very Spanish. It was lovely. Everything was lovely. But we're walking around down the Ramblas and stuff. There's no one out. 
Do you know what I mean? My husband right, said, right. when do these people get up? I said, they don't get up like us, Ken. No, no, and right. then we'd see them still having their first coffee like at 10 or 10.30 in the morning. And then later on, they'd have a, a, they sit down and have some lunch. And then they would go out later and have some dinner. And my husband said, how do these people make any money? I said, they just don't do it like we do. See, I think Americans, I think not everything you've talked to, Amy, about disease and health disease, but I also think it's the stress that kills us here. Do you know what I mean? I think we put so much stress on ourselves besides not having a great diet and by not getting enough exercise. You know, I think everybody has the stress, but I, I think that there's a, we, we have less resources to, um, to deal with it yes. uh, at, our, at our disposal because we don't live in a, in a traditional, you know, communal type family environment. So it's, 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 we have to look for these other sources in terms of, of managing the stress. And I was speaking with a, a doctor yesterday, just, you know, off the cuff, we were talking about it and, and it, the conversation came up of there, it's two parts, you know, one of it is de-stressing. And then the other part of it is filling yourself with inspiration. Um, because if you just de-stress and then, but there's no like fun stuff, no pleasure, no beautiful things for your eyes to look at, um, then you're still kind of missing something. But if, if we can create that balance and it's, it's individual to each of us of what we like and, you know, what motivates us and that kind of thing, but we can kind of create that where we're constantly, you know, letting go, finding ways to let go of the stress, but then also having beautiful textures, beautiful sights, beautiful smells, beautiful aromas, all these things that we think of as, you know, superfluous or, or extra. If we took those really seriously, that would really impact our health before we even talked about eating because our senses would be filled up before we even put anything in our mouth and we would eat less. And our spirits would feel better. I'm looking at one of the recipes that came to us that says from Spain in your cookbook and it says uh, orange asparagus and avocado salad. And it's got a little bit of romaine lettuce and tomato and a red wine vinegar and olive oil. I mean, this recipe is so classic and so delicious, Amy, that I want to go home and make it. It's, it's one of my favorites, too. It's one of my mother's favorites. And, you know, sometimes I even forget about it. I'll see it in, in my own book or like online. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to make that salad because it's just colorful and, and it, easy. Exactly. And when I was a kid, we always had, of course, the avocados came in because we lived in California. We always had just fresh tomatoes, steamed asparagus asparagus or sliced red onions and that was the salad mm -hmm. the platters of it and sometimes my mother would put mozzarella cheese on it you know the platters of that are vivid to me to this day there's nothing better when things are ripe and in season and another little tip i like to give people um that they forget about i mean you all are, are spoiled because you're in california not everybody has such great produce but even so everyone's got something at some time and um, yes. our bodies really crave what is in season at that time in terms of nutrients so we're much better, for example, you know, eating that tomato salad with the onions when the tomatoes are in season yes. than we would be like in, for example, in Maryland in December when uh, they're not in season. We're just, our body benefits more from them. So, and that's a great way to save money because whatever's in season is also cheaper and more plentiful um, and, and get more nutrients from the food at the same time. And yeah. it's eating local. It's yes. exactly, which is what cracks me up when it was farm to table. And I, I totally respect everyone. People are looking for a new way to sell things or a new right. hook. Right. And I, I get it. And food is trendy and things change. But when people say farm to table or any of that, I think that was how my family was my entire life. Do you know what I mean? My grandfather, you were right. Well, my grandfather, we lived in, even though he lived in San Francisco, Amy, on Van Ness Avenue, my sisters and I still own the apartment building. We, he had a garden. There was, was a garden where he had tomatoes and carnations and a rabbit and his vegetables. And wow. so I had never eaten anything like store-bought lettuce 
till I was about 12 years How about old. Can- canned peas, canned... Oh, oh see, I mean, no. I grew up... Yeah, it's I'm amazing. Sorry. I'm so sorry. It's amazing. <laughs> and your family was rich! <laughs> it was... My mother did not like to cook. I'd yeah. say that I got into my career out of self-defense. <laughs> now, Amy, I want you to tell us, I know that you've got a new line of olive oil with your own name on it. Please yes, tell so us I, about that. Sure, I just started my own uh, private labeling of olive oils. So the very first one, eventually I'll, I'll have a whole collection, but the very first one will be coming out uh, in mid-October and it can be, it'll be available online uh, from a store called Italian Lifestyle in uh, Bedford, Pennsylvania, but also in other retailers and, and through my site and things like that. Good. And I'm really excited about it because since I've specialized in the Mediterranean diet and the Mediterranean lifestyle, you know, olive oil is the number one question that I always get asked. And so in order to be able to answer those questions and really to understand more for myself, because when I realized olive oil isn't all created equal, um, it, I needed to tell people what they could buy, what was good, what was bad. And that led me into a whole another world of education, things that I didn't know in order to be able to find the kind of the olive oils that really are good for you and that are the best quality. So um, the Italian government used to send me to Italy uh, for these conferences called Unapol, which is like the Italian olive oil consortium and I learned a lot through them and then through the tours I ended up you know working with specific olive uh, grower in Abruzzo in the Abruzzo region and we would always take people to his it's called Trapezzo di Caprafico which is a beautiful beautiful orchard that you know looks like very idyllic and uh, like heaven on earth and he has these wonderful olives there we would taste them with the group and things like that and then you know I said I, I would like to start here because I feel like this place is home. I brought people here. I know the family. I know where nice. they come from, the state, and I can really. I don't want to do anything that I couldn't swear by that I didn't know, you know, where it came from. So it's going to be a blend of two different cultivars, which means variety in olive oil lingo. Uh, one is called the Gentile di Chiatti, and the other one is called the Intoso. So the Intoso is a is a indigenous cultivar to the Abruzzo region. They just started recently bringing it back, kind of like we would consider it to be an heirloom type of a thing, and very grassy, very kind of you know, artichoke and herbaceous. Yes, and yes. And then it's blended with this gentile di Chietti. Gentile means soft or kind in Italian. Di Chietti from Chietti, cultivar, which is also from the region, uh, but available in a little bit more broader area and uh, more sweet and a little bit more subtle. So it's a blend of these two. And so that sounds great. You know, yeah. wide range of things. And it's got a very low acidity rate, only 0.25, which um, for anybody who doesn't know, to be considered extra virgin, an olive oil has to be 0.8 or less. So usually in the United States, if you can find the one that's 0.5 or 0.4, that's great. This is 0.25. So it's super wow. low. How exciting. Thank that's you. Very exciting. It's very exciting. I've got it. it. It sounds wonderful. Now, what are you looking forward to in the future? Do you have another book you're thinking of? Have you got some tours planned? So people, yes. and what's your website, Amy? My website is amyriolo.com. So it's spelled A-M-Y-R-I-O-L-O.com. Perfect. And I do have uh, new books in the works. I have many, so I'll, I'll uh, let them come out kind of one by one as they're released. But I also have a lot of culinary tours coming up. So I have one on, it's going to be from September 20th to the 27th. This is the Grape and Truffle mm-hmm. Harvest Tour. Oh, uh, it's fun. with a company called Italian Sensory Experience, and it's we stay at a winery in Abruzzo. There are two places still open if anybody's interested, and uh, they can find information for that on the my, my website course. or uh, Italian Sensory Experience site. Also with the same company, I'm doing a tour called the Marvels of Molise on 
April 23rd to April 30th of next year, which uh, Molise, Italy, is the National Italian American Foundation's region of honor this year. So we're offering a discount to the to the NIAF members uh, if they join us. And it's really, you know, off the beaten track, but amazingly rich culture. And people, you know, they get a lot with the locals. I'm with them the whole time. They get hands-on cooking classes, many guided wine tastings, olive oil tastings, cheese tastings. And then we work in a lot of culture, uh, museums and, and um, monuments and things like that. Nice. As well. This is on my website. And then Good. also people can, we do private tours with my Moroccan and, tour, and Greek tour partner. We do private tours. So if anybody wants their own family, their own friends to, to go to Morocco or Greece, uh, we do that several times a year. We can hand curate a, mm-hmm. uh, a culinary culture wellness tour for you. Wow, that sounds amazing. Amy, it sounds amazing. I just want to say that I want to make this mixed vegetable cassoulet. Who thought of cassoulet as a veggie dish? That sounds wonderful. (laughs) I think that, Amy, this, I think your book, I'm thrilled for you that I know this is the set, like the second edition of it. And it's really, really a valuable book. And I know that so many people that are just looking for, I, I liked one, several of the things that you said, and one of them was supercharging your health with better food, which I think is a great way for people. As we age, I know, Amy, I've always been lucky and had so much energy. But at 67, I'm being much more careful. I'm trying to feed my energy in a healthier way because otherwise I don't, I don't last as long as I used to. And I do of think course. that the food you eat Make a difference. Absolutely. She was talking about supercharging. I think the other thing is, which I loved in your book, that you talk about making a meal plan. Now, this is something that the women that listen to us, and you know what's amazing? We have lots of young women that listen to us, but Mm -hmm. we're really... We were looking for old old bats like us, Amy, when we started this. (laughs) But the reason is, is that I still love to cook. I've been cooking for 30 years, but I need a meal plan. For us to stay on a healthy diet, because at, when it's only the two of you and you know you're not as you're not having as many people over or your children have left home, yeah. you really need to make a meal plan to keep on a healthy diet. Otherwise, you end up eating out too much. That's my my feeling about it. Do you know what I mean? And then the minute you're in a restaurant, you totally give yourself permission to have dessert, but you like, don't have it at home. I mean, no, exactly. We have fruit. We because have, in the exactly. summer, what could be better than fruit, right? So I think that you just make some perfect points in your book. And I thank you because I learned something. So I think that's it, madam. I think we're done. We can't thank you enough. Thank you. I really appreciate you, Diana. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.